Welcome one and all to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. We are your hosts. I'm Rick Hale, ghost hunter and author of The Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeist, Ghosts and Demons, Behold, Shocking True Tales of Terror and some other spooky stuff, and last but not least, Bullets, Booze and Babes, The Haunted Criminal History of Chicago and Illinois. And joining me as always is the self-proclaimed world sexiest ghost hunter, Stephen Lancaster. Hey, Stephen, how about you tell everybody at home who's watching us who you are and why you kind of matter? I mean, how can I follow that up? You can't. It's I, impossible. Clearly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know what? This is a, the perfect time for a flashback to when we did our show in front of a live studio audience. Mm-hmm. And when you announced yourself, remember what happened? You were all booed and everything. We are your hosts, Stephen Lancaster, ghost hunter and author, and myself, Rick Hale, as well as a ghost hunter and author. Um, are you, dude, are you serious? And I, I think that that was a soundboard that you had, but yeah. No, sir. And, and then whenever I announced myself, you guys... You guys- Hold on, Thank you. After the chef. After the chef. After the chef. You're so full of shit. I can smell you. I, I, I live like 1,200 miles away from you, and I can smell you all the way here on the north side of Chicago. Standing ovation. Standing ovation. But, folks, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. I am Stephen Lancaster, ghost hunter, paranormal researcher, phenomenologist. The gray fox of the paranormal, as people say. Uh, also author of... Person of one. Five books. I'm not even going to list all my books because that would take the rest of the show. So I, I'm more focused on our audience, Rick. Okay. Not yes, so much about myself. Okay. As we should be. Yes. So we've got as a major, as major like show for this new debut of Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. So would you like to tell the folks sitting comfortably in their home while I'm sitting uncomfortably here with you uh, what the show's about? Well, here at the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk, we, we're kind of like the punk rockers of the paranormal world, man. We don't care about rules. We don't care about status quo. We don't care about being famous. What we do care about here at the Shadow Initiative is bringing you, our shadows, the very best in paranormal talk and entertainment. We are paratainment. So, I know it was it was corny, but you know I had to give it a go. So we just want to welcome you, our shadows. That that is what we lovingly call our viewers, um, to this new debut of our show. And we're going to be bringing you a lot of great stuff. We're going to be bringing you news of the weird. News of the weird is a great segment. We're going to be bringing you haunted salvage. This is where she, uh, Stephen here has kind of like a haunted show and tell of sorts. So it's sort of like your third grade classroom, but not quite as mature. And <laughs> then we travel all over the world in a segment that I call 
Ghostwatch. And Ghostwatch is actually based on work done by uh, Britain's greatest ghost hunter. And if you've never heard of him before, uh, obviously you shouldn't be involved in this field if you haven't, Mr. Peter Underwood. Um, I actually got the okay, Stephen, from the, the estate of Peter Underwood to do this segment. So um, I know yeah. you say that every time what, because it, I am proud of it. And we're I, coming to a new audience here, so they may not know it. We're up to 78, 79, 79 times that I've fucking heard that. God knows, Rick. We all know. OK, we all know you're, now. You're welcome. OK, but, you know, when I asked Rick, why don't you tell people what the show is about? I was you know, talking about clearly what we were going to be doing today. But, you know, Rick went into this whole long freaking speech and, you know, I'd have done turn this shit off. <laughs> I, I'm out. I'm done. Changing the channel. Whatever. All right. If you can do a better job, go for it. No, you've done covered it. Why? Why? Uh, it, no, there's no need to be redundant. So what do you want to start out with today, Rick? We've got well, I, there's two people left out there listening, and that's your wife and mine. So what are we going to talk to them about? And seriously, even they don't listen. So, you know, but okay. So our topic of the day is one that I think is very close um, to our hearts as ghost hunters and paranormal investigators, researchers, specter detectors, whatever you want to call us. So we're kind of becoming the elder statesmen of this field. And so we get a lot of people that come to us and they're like, you know, hey, man, what are the do's and don'ts? of the paranormal field. I mean, I'm sure you get this a lot, correct, Stephen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so we get people coming to us and they're like, you know, how do I do a proper ghost hunt? How do I, you know, what, what is there to avoid? And one of those things that I think is a big one to avoid is no trespassing. Yes, sir. I agree. Absolutely. All right. And so on to the next you, topic. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Trespassing. It's such an issue, man, because first off, it, it shows no level of professionalism whatsoever. OK, right. what are you trying to prove here? And, and, and sadly, um, people who do uh, conduct themselves in this way ruin it for the real people. You know, and you'll hear me say the real people all the time. I'm not talking about the people playing paranormal investigator on TV. I'm not talking about the weekend warriors that saw it on ghost hunters. They think it's cool and they start going out to cemeteries and ghost hunting. Right. Uh, you know, these people I'm talking about real people who truly spend their time, their lives uh, researching the paranormal. And, and I can remember uh, Fort Macon. Uh, you know, it was a big thing. They welcomed paranormal investigators until this one team decided to go in there without permission right. and left the place in disarray, man. They left beer cans. I mean, what kind of investigate? It was a party for them. Yeah. You know, so unfortunately that that created a mistrust within the paranormal community and Fort Macon closed its doors to research. So now no more research can be conducted there, which is a shame. You know, and we're actually seeing quite a bit of that, like, you know, places that used to be open to allowing, 
uh, paranormal investigations are now saying, you know what, we're done. We don't want you here because they get the occasional um, trespasser. And, you know, I think the thing, thing to keep in mind about no trespassing is this is the real world, right? I mean, this is not a paranormal TV show, no matter how much you may want it to be. Um, there are certain things to keep in mind. One of those things is safety while you're conducting a paranormal investigation. You don't have members of the production crew that go in a couple of days before you're there to do filming or whatever um, and kind of sanitize the place. And I'm not going to tell you who this comes from, but this actually comes from a guy who spent a lot of time in, on paranormal TV. And he was like, it is made as safe as possible for us, especially these places that are kind of, you know, falling down around uh, your ears. And I'm sure that you've heard this before, Stephen, because you never let me forget it. You have done television. Oh, yes. I mean, who forgets that? Yeah, we're doing it right now. <laughs> See, you and me, buddy. We're on TV. Hi, we're coming into your home. But, so but you know, it, and it is like that, man. It is. There, there are so many legal loopholes, too, that people or hoops that you have to jump through. You right. have to get permissions and I mean, you have to sign insurance waivers and non-disclosures. And when you break into a place that isn't welcoming you and you get hurt, that turns into a lawsuit against the very people you trespassed. Right. You know, it, it's it's not right. It's it's unethical. It's immoral and it's illegal. Yeah. And it, again, the, the main point is it it ruins it for everybody else now there is a flip side to it okay because you know how i love to play devil's advocate there, oh, yeah, there is a, a a flip side to it where you have these investigators who quote unquote uh have the exclusive rights to a location yeah where you can't go in there unless they approve it or they chaperone you you know and and I, I always raise a brow to that kind of mentality because scientific exploration is about sharing data mm -hmm. and formulating hypotheses and opinions to come to a fact. Okay. So when you close that off, I'm not telling people, yeah, go trespass because they won't let you in there, but that's kind of the flip side to it because I do know of quite a few locations that, that are being held for ransom by yeah. certain paranormal investigators. And, and it makes me raise a brow. It's like, well, why don't you want other people to go in there? Do you want to be proven wrong? Is that what it is? You don't want to be proven wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, because people used to say that to me about the famous Brentwood Wine Bistro. They're like, oh, the only people that can go in there can go in there with Steven. Well, that wasn't my choice. That was the choice of the clients, the owners of the building. I built a trust with them. They welcome other people they welcome other opinions you've just got to come with me because they trust me to make sure nothing bad happens right so that's a little bit different but the trespassing thing man it, it's it shouldn't even be a topic of discussion but sadly it is unfortunately it is and there's you know there's three reasons that even when i was a young ghost hunter three reasons why i would never trespass right <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> one, it's illegal. That's obvious Two, 
I'm not going to last two seconds in prison if I went to jail. Um, and three, I don't want, you know, buckshot ending up in my ass because I'm trying to run away, you know, from trespassing on somebody's property. But I did find this really interesting article, and this actually comes from a well-respected publication. It comes from Smithsonian Magazine. Like, you know, Smithsonian, as in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. You've never heard of it. I'm sure you haven't. So uh, anyways, ghost hunters burned down historic mansion. Now, I mean, this this is one of those extreme kind of, um, um, you know, episodes of trespassing. So in Old Arabi, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Louisiana, the historic LeBeau plantation was burned down by men da, 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 looking for ghosts. <laughs> According to the local news reports, I'm just going to read a little bit of this, ending it with something that's like, yeah, okay, I kind of saw that coming a mile away. It says, in Old Arabi, Louisiana, the historic LeBeau plantation was burned down by men looking for ghosts, according to the local news report. The seven men who entered the house had been looking for ghosts, trying to summon spirits, beating on the floors, Colonel John Duran told the Times Picayne. Duran said, and I know this is going to come as absolutely no shock to anyone. Duran said that the men appear to have become frustrated when no ghosts materialized. Police believe that in a haze of alcohol and marijuana, one of them decided to burn the place to the ground. <laughs> I mean, that is just, that is tragic and silly at the same time. I mean, you're going out looking for ghosts. Like, look, man, I don't care if you drink alcohol. I don't care if you smoke marijuana. Whatever, man. I'm cool with it, right? But don't do these things if you're going to go out looking for ghosts because here's what happened. They admittedly said, we trespassed because we were looking for ghosts. So do you know what happens? That makes the rest of us look bad and i don't like looking bad i mean steven you make me look good by looking bad every week but hey man i don't want to make i don't want other people making me look bad so with that being said i mean we could go on and on about things in the paranormal that make us all look bad and it all starts with the tv i mean it really does you know, the examples that it sets and the the just unreachable expectations because this stuff isn't real <laughs> on the TV. Now, hold on a second here, but let's let's do the TV thing. If there is one good thing that the TV has that the TV show ha have done and I'm playing devil's advocate here. This is my turn to play devil's advocate. If there's one good thing the TV shows have done is that it's kind of opened people's minds to, you know, to that these things exist to the par to paranormal land, as I like to call it. But still, like what with your what you're saying is, is that the TV shows do kind of like give you a unreal expectation, and it does kind of you know glamorize breaking into places and looking for ghosts. And clearly, it's what did with these gentlemen right here. Who, while there, were drinking alcohol and, you know, smoking weed. <laughs> anyway, so we've got so much to cover on this episode, man. We've got wickedly awesome, 
unbelievable, just um, incredible to me, uh, paranormal footage of an apparition manifesting. Mm-hmm. When we start talking about the Rick sucks box, I don't know if you can see that or not. Uh, a ghost wrote that. Not me. Not me. <laughs> and, and of course, we've got your weird, strange, bizarre, paranormal news. You know, we've got Ghost Watch to wind everybody down at the end. You know, getting it's ready. Ghost stories to put you to sleep. Oh, and they will. And they do, ladies and gentlemen. Let I kind of set you up for that one. Just tell you right now. <laughs> and we've got Creature of the Week, you know, which is a doozy. Uh, so, Rick, which direction would you like to carry on this shenanigan? You know, let's talk about what you call the Rick Sucks Box. <laughs> The Rick sucks box. The the, the Rick sucks box. So it's the Divic box. Everybody is aware of what the Divic box is. But Stephen, for those at, you know, watching us on their TV right now, um, why don't you tell people what a Divic box is and what it is that you have there in Haunted Salvage, your ghostly show and tell. Haunted Salvage. with the haunted salvage logo this is badass anyway so on this episode segment of haunted salvage we are discussing what i'm referring to as a memory box you know everybody knows what the dibic box is and and you'll catch us uh referring to this as a dibic box because it's a mainstream term now um that has been taken completely the wrong way and, and you know i i've got to do it i wasn't gonna do it but you know the most famous dibic box is of course the one little zacky baggins has right mm-hmm. okay well the funny thing is is zach says this thing's extremely haunted zach says you know it's real it's legitimate and you know what's what's interesting rick is uh we've got the results of our lie detector test mm-hmm. with uh, Zach Baggins. And uh, to the question of, is your Dibbig box really haunted? Zach Baggins answered, yes. The results of the lie detector test, that was a lie. Where did you find that? I mean, that that's like specific quote. Uh, right here, right here on my desk, but I'm getting to the point here. Okay. Okay. The guy who sold this dipping box, Kevin Manis. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is not a haunted Jewish wine cabinet from Spain. Right. Okay. Actual, uh, experts in antiquities have (laughs) discovered that this is actually a mini bar that was made in New York. Okay. If that isn't damning enough, if that isn't damning enough, Kevin Manis, the guy who sold the Dybbuk box to Zach Baggins, mm-hmm. he says, I am the original creator of the story of the Dybbuk box, which appeared as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. He said, how about this? If you or anyone else can reference this box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I will pay you $100,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead. Yes. Yes. He said, just, yeah, just recently he said he admitted 
that the box was his own creation. He says, I am a creative writer and the Dybbuk box is a story that I created. So the story has done exactly what I intended it to do. Now, how about that little Zachy? Yeah, see, I remember reading. <laughs> Not that. only did you pay money for bullshit, you got nothing. You got nothing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I remember reading that um, uh, Kevin Manis's interview and then thinking that it's like you were on television with this thing. They made a movie about it, which, you know, really didn't do that great. And I remember when I used to host a paranormal uh, podcast years and years ago, we had him on the show. And when he was on that show, he like all he could talk about was how this box is cursed and how whomever owns it is, you know, being hit with these curses and, you know, the blood rushing from their eyes and, and pretty much everything, uh, you know, else that you could possibly think of. But Dybbuk box aside, we all know now that it's BS. What do you have to show the people at home? Now, this is, is really awesome. And, and Rick and I have covered this on our podcast and, we had some shit go down yes. <laughs> when we were talking about that. Now, what's interesting, and, I, and I'll show you guys on the screen right now, is I ran some electromagnetic field tests on this box. It's just strictly a wooden box. Wood is not a conductor of, of any kind. Okay, you can see it's got some drawers <laughs> there. Um, you can see this. What does that say? Rick is sexy? What? No, it says Rick sucks. Okay. Oh, I thought it said you, you probably can't see it as well as I got it in 3D. I was like, you're goddamn right. We don't have the budget to offer this show in 3D, folks. I apologize. Um, so, anyways, basically, not just the Jewish culture, but it, it's a memory box. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's something that when somebody passes on, you put things that were important to that person in it. And in kind of in your mind, it's like, you're resting assured that a piece of them is still around, you know, yeah. just to sum it up. Well, this box was owned by a collector in Myrtle Beach who bought it from a private collector. Well, this this guy got up with me because he was aware of my research with haunted objects, namely Norman the doll. Mm -hmm. And he knew that I collect allegedly haunted objects. You know, if a client thinks it's a particular object that's causing their distress they'll ask me to take it so here they all are thus our segment haunted salvage well this box has a very tragic story to it and this is okay. a sad one folks and believe me you will probably cry a little bit after hearing this so it, it basically this happened in turkey and uh it involves a little girl who had been repeatedly raped by not her her real father but her stepfather and long story short the mother happened to catch the stepfather in the act well he was being so violent with the little girl who was obviously trying to fight him off he had his hands around her neck and killed her so the mother of the child killed him well, to save you everything else that came after that, she kept a few things of the little girl in this box. Now, you guys had just seen 
the EMF reads with nothing in the box, even the drawers taken out. This thing giving off crazy electromagnetic fields. In this box is the most disheartening piece, which is her nighty. Okay, when Rick and I were discussing this on the podcast, we captured an EVP. Mm-hmm. We didn't notice it when it happened. It was when I was putting the podcast together afterward that there is a Turkish. I don't speak Turkish. Rick doesn't speak Turkish, but there is vividly a Turkish voice. And we want you guys to listen to that at home. And we'll tell you a little bit more. I just got, oh my God, I just got freaking cold chills. This, yeah, so did I. this was the little girl's nighty. Oh, 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 oh. Ah. 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 Okay, so you guys just heard this voice as Rick and I are discussing the box itself. And it has other little trinkets in it, you know, a little clothes hanger. Uh, I just think this is the, the cutest, cutest little thing, cutest little toy fork. And there's other utensils, little money bag, little coin purse. Um, but Rick and I knew that we were doing a season finale for our podcast. So we were shooting like promo videos, you know, movie trailers, so to speak. And uh, I was filming the box itself because that was going to be the centerpiece of that particular episode. And man, it's, it's giving me cold chills. Just, just recreate, just in my head, recreating this, you can vividly see a spirit manifest. And I was just filming this with my cell phone. Luckily, it was an iPhone 12, you know, with a good camera on it. And yeah. it, I mean, this, there's no denying it. You see the box. I have the little girl's gown laid out and you see this manifestation of this child come up out of this box. It's, it's like I even said during the podcast in my 20 some years of research, this goes into my number five of the best pieces of evidence I have in favor of the supernatural. And I I had already had expectations from this thing and the EMF reads and then that EVP. But to get that child on video manifesting, that was absolutely incredible. And we're going to we're showing that to you on the screen as we discuss it. Um, You can see it in, in kind of like a zoomed in way, slowed down, real time, every way I could possibly present it to you. And it's absolutely incredible. Rick, Rick what, what, what's your takeaway? It's definitely one of the best pieces of evidence that I have ever seen. And, you know, I of course, I believe you. I have no reason not to believe you. I, I, you know, you are, I know that you are a man of integrity and you take this very, very seriously. And this is, this is an amazing piece of evidence. It's just too bad that it has this backstory that you know makes you want to cry that 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 it had to, had to happen and that it came to this i agree man but but it's it's so interesting just to wrap this up because you know we can talk about 
this box at another time or you guys can track us down and we'll talk about it because uh, there's just there's so many feelings that go into it but but at the same time i feel blessed to have something like this because mm -hmm. it's important it's important man this is tied to a really tragic story and i'm very sensitive when it comes to children anyway yes you know and and to know what had happened to that poor child and this box finds its way from turkey to south carolina to then north carolina to an actual paranormal researcher so you just you know heard a very tragic story concerning a little girl who was you know horribly treated by somebody that she should have been able to trust um, and Stephen owns the box that, you know, we think that it's a possibility that her spirit is still attached to the box or the things that are in the box. But, you know, right now we kind of want to change direction into something a little bit more fun, Stephen. And, you know, and, and if anything, we like to have fun here on this show. So right now we have the segment that we like to call News of the Weird. Now, with news of the weird, these are news stories that, well, you know, they don't get the fair shake that they deserve oftentimes because, well, they're weird. So they're not, they're not news stories that most people would think mattered. But this news story comes to us from, of all places, Newsweek. So, I mean, this, this was offered in a mainstream um, online newspaper. And this is great. And I'm going to read this article and I'm going to tell you why this is so great. Now, Stephen, there are pictures and stuff like that. So when we get to it, if you could, you know, throw up the picture from the article so that people can see it. So it says, run, new homeowners find terrifying symbol after pulling up their carpets. Moving into a new home is an exciting process, but when purchasing an older property, property, you never truly know what you're going to get. So, you know, basically we're already kind of, you know, entering into Forrest Gump territory, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the previous owners were obsessed with cheesy house signs or your dream home comes with a basement dweller. Still discovering your new home may have been a former Satanist hub is a whole other level of creepy. Now, Stephen, you know my stance on Satanists. I would rather hang out. I would, I would hang out with a Satanist any day because, one, they're not very judgy, and two, they listen to better music. So, <laughs> I was going to say that, and you beat me to it. <laughs> so, captioned, pulled up the carpets in newly purchased home to find this. So, Stephen, if you could throw up that image for our, for our viewers at home. The image shows a five-point pentagram seemingly scratched into a wooden floor. Now, I'm looking at it right now, and this is, uh, it's, it's nothing short of remarkable. So, in just five hours, the Post received over 18,000 upvotes and 2,800 comments from curious redditors desperate to know more about the frightening find user 7261626269747 joked who uses that as are you serious man um don't worry about it you should light some candles and recite latin poetry to ease your mind so we'll do another one 
El Sadigo commented, yeah, they shouldn't worry. If there was big scorch mark in the middle, they should be worried. So now, according to American Haunts, a haunted house events company, there are currently 1,200 haunted house attractions across the U.S. attracting on average about 8,000 visitors per year. So I'm just going to end it with this and then we're going to riff on it a little bit. The house is a few hundred years old and is in London where, you know, all like weird haunted stuff happens. And uh, in England, we're going to be getting to that later on in um, creature of the week. So no, now, so the house is a few hundred years old and is in London. No knowledge of the former owners. So we're going to end it right there. So we showed you this picture. We read you the article. We want, of course, you to judge. But one of the things that I love about this so much is, Stephen, this is a paranormal TV show producer's wet dream. Oh, it'll happen. They love that kind of stuff. They love, you know, our our house is inhabited by demons. And we found this pentagram uh, circled underneath the, um, the carpet after after pulling it up and it's like i just I, I think that these are hilarious because do they really expect us to believe this so what what are your thoughts on this uh news of the weird the satan house love it it's fantastic it's oh, fantastic i mean i would jump at something like that you know mm-hmm. it's funny because you know i had this conversation yesterday with a colleague of mine you know, I, I was kind of venting like I get so sick of people uh, commenting and, and, and telling me, I, you know, oh, man, I must be an idiot to keep Norman the doll around. Mm-hmm. That's my job. I'm a paranormal investigator. I'm a paranormal researcher. If I've got something that is legitimately like this box, you know, giving off paranormal activity, why would I get rid of it? Right. <laughs> Why would so it's like for me coming across something like that in a house would be fantastic, you know what I mean? I'm setting up the cameras, you know, nobody touch this room, you know, microphones, everything, man. You know, my wife and I, you know, we're looking at buying a house, Mm -hmm. we're having a very difficult time because every real estate agency that we approach, they ask us what we're looking for, and we tell them we're looking for something with a morbid dark history. (laughs) <laughs> I swear to you, true story. If people died in the house, we want to look at that house first, you know, because I'm at the age now where I can't go frolicking around the country like I used to investigating locations. You know, I'd rather live in one. Oh, yeah. And, that, you know, and that's why I kept Norman home, home field advantage. That's why I keep these objects behind me because I can constantly research them. So to me, it's awesome. And like you said, you know, it's it's a producer's wet dream, and it'll happen. We will see these people somewhere, you know, on, on TV. You know, But at the same time, it's got to make you think, okay? And people don't. That's the problem. Is When you're buying anything used, anything, mm-hmm. whether it be a used car, a, a house, whatever, you have no clue what happened in that house. You right. have no clue what happened in that car. You know, you just don't know. I mean, you could go buy this house that you think is just gorgeous and beautiful. It's 100 years old. And you don't know what went down in there. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? Just, oh, yeah. th- these people just happen to find some remnants, some, some proof of what went down in there. And I just think it's awesome. I mean, I, I can imagine it. You know, they're, they're standing around this circle, praying to the dark lord of the abyss, probably while, I don't know, listening to like free jazz or, you know, whatever. But, you know, you're talking about, you know, with the haunted items and stuff. I mean, I myself did an investigation back in the late 90s. I think it was like 97, 98. And um, this family, they moved into a new house in a brand new subdivision in Lindenhurst, Illinois. And Lindenhurst, Illinois is a town that's maybe an hour north of Chicago. And uh, just right right below the Wisconsin border. So anyways, they bought this um, butter churn from this antique shop, brought it into the house. And all of a sudden, the kids are reported seeing this old woman just wandering around. She's kind of transparent, wearing like old-fashioned clothes from the late 1800s. So, you know, I go in and I do my thing, you know, my investigation and all that. And I see this out of the corner of my eye. I see what looks like a person moving by this butter churn. So it's like I come to the conclusion that this all started when they brought this butter churn into the house. So I tell them, I'm like, you know, remove the butter churn. You remove the problem. Sure enough, they remove the butter churn. No longer a ghost in the house. So it's, it's like what you said. It's like sometimes, you know, you buy something, you don't know what it is that you're getting, either a haunted butter churn. Um, I know you like to play with dolls. So you have Norman the doll. And um, <laughs> hey, don't forget about uh, Lester back there. Oh, Lester. Oh, God. He, gives he me will fuck creeps, you up, hell. He will sure fuck he you will. up. He gives me the creeps or, you know, whatever. Um, sometimes things can retain energy or the memory and we saw that with your memory box we see that in this house but the interesting thing about the house you you go on it's like they haven't really experienced anything you know no you know poltergeist type activity no demonic infestation you know where they're you know bringing famous television investigators into their home investigating but um you know this is a fairly recent article so we shall see what happens so be on the lookout for that folks check underneath your carpet get you a hammer out right now after the show start bashing in the walls of your house mm-hmm. you know just the other week we were talking about a dude who found a doll <laughs> in the wall that oh, came yeah. with yeah that came with a note that said this little motherfucker is gonna kill you <laughs> that was you know that was easily the that was that was way more corny and way more um as my son would say sus than this story hey but still perfect for this show if you guys and gals at home haven't figured it out there are no boundaries here on shadow initiative paranormal television we are not politically correct we we're nice i mean we're actually good people we're just assholes you know because that's you know how people that i don't don't know who this we i'm saying we i am saying we You know, because people don't like the truth. And all of a sudden, when you give them the truth, when you tell them their little precious fucking paranormal show is fake, all of a sudden you're an asshole. I hear that all the time. I know you do. And a lot of times from me. So with that being said, you have for us a really cool creature of the week, don't you? Like we have discussed this before. Yes, because it's and it's worth discussing over and over. 
Exactly. We are going to introduce to you what we like to call the Lycan Pyre. Yes, creature of the week. You guys heard it here first is the Lycan Pyre. And you're probably sitting at home. Gee, Steven, Rick, I've never heard of a Lycan Pyre. What's a Lycan Pyre? Well, folks, we're going to tell you exactly what that is because we're not sure either. <laughs> but we're going to tell you. So overseas, you know, we've got some uh, English folks over there, borderline hobbits. Just calling it like I see it, not trying to be That's an New asshole. Zealand. That's New Zealand. Not what, okay, whatever, man. Don't no. get me started on Lord of the Rings. That shit's as boring as you are. Anyway, so this couple was driving down the road. And you know what? Let me let me pull up the article so I can read actual quotes and stuff. Okay. <laughs> is there a werewolf in Warchester? This is the headline. Okay. Terrified couple claim they came face to face with a wild panther. Okay, so first half of the headline is there a werewolf in Worcester? Second half, face to face with a panther. Okay, folks, so you you sitting at home, we now have a panther werewolf. Okay, this is evolving into our lichen pyre here. But a terrified a terrified couple who claimed to have come face to face with a panther while driving through the English countryside have drawn a sketch of the bloodthirsty beast to warn the public what to look out for. Now, you folks at home can see this fantastic recreation. It, I mean, if, if one of these people don't become a sketch artist professionally for, like, law enforcement, they're missing the boat because this is so lifelike, Rick, wouldn't you say? I mean, the, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's terrifying. This is what people, this is what this couple wants people to look out for, and you can see the fangs. Okay, that gives it our, our vampiric kind of look here. So we've got our panther, werewolf, vampire. And uh, the pencil drawing that Robert Ingram and his wife have come up with is now likely to raise fears that what they encountered was not a big cat, mm-hmm. but a werewolf, Rick. Okay, so from Robert himself, they were driving along the outside of the National Trust property. Um, you folks at home that don't know what the National Trust property is, it's a huge, uh, there's a huge building. It's mostly for kids and stuff. Yeah. Um, so we don't need a werewolf running around where Not the kids are. are involved. Yeah. Okay. When suddenly, Rick, suddenly they spotted something ahead in the road. Okay. It was getting dark, but they could see its eyes reflecting in the headlights of their vehicle. So they stopped the car and it was just standing there. Okay, they had heard rumors about an escaped panther in the area. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the panther was doing some hard time and finally got, you know, broke out. I, I'm not sure where the panther escaped from, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's on the loose. Okay. And uh, they thought it was just nonsense that this couldn't be a panther standing on two legs, staring at them in their vehicle. Uh-huh. But they saw the animal, Rick, with their own two eyes. And, of course, they were stunned. They of said, course. you know, they said it was too big to be a fox or a dog. And it must have weighed about nine stone. I don't know what that means in British talk, but 
but I'm, I'm saying probably weighs like an adult. Uh, it looked right at us and walked up to the car. Okay. Okay. It was, the, it then lowered its body like it was going to pounce on the car. Okay. Now to me, it walks up to the car, Rick. This, this would be at the point where I would take the picture, <laughs> you know, nice, close in focus picture of our like empire here. Mm-hmm. Okay. But nope. Robert, man, he slammed that car into reverse, bro, and went as far back as he could. Then they took the picture. <laughs> so what you're seeing on the screen is them, after fleeing the scene, thinking, oh, you know what, we should probably take a pe- picture of this because nobody's going to believe us, you know? So they take a picture of what kind of looks like a beer can reflecting in their headlights of these weeds mm-hmm. that, that they're saying is their werewolf vampire um panther so <laughs> the like empire the like empire so this thing's running around worcester y'all okay and you want to be on the lookout for it you've got the description you've seen the sketch and the interesting thing is the like empire came across me and rick's radar again and recently Mm-hmm. This this picture that I'm throwing up on the screen was just taken in the city of Amarillo, Texas. Okay, in the United States. So, dude, the Lake Empire has got some frequent flyer mile, miles or something, man. But it is now in Texas. Okay, they've released this picture. The Amarillo Zoo captured a strange image outside the zoo in the dark around 1.30 in the morning. Okay, now they're claiming because this is in Texas, you know, close to New Mexico and all that stuff, that it's a chupacabra, Rick. Hmm. That picture to me does not scream chupacabra. The chupa-like empire. This this look this picture actually looks more like what our hobbits overseas claim to have seen. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what it looks like to me. I, it looks like something on hind legs with a big ass werewolf head <laughs> that's what it looks like to me the big ass werewolf head of the chupa like empire so there you folks go creature of the week call it what you will we've had eyewitness account this couple's very fortunate that they survived they gave us their sketch gave us their very uh clear picture of it but then in the States, a little closer to home, we get a better image outside of a zoo. So right now we're going to go from the Chupa-like empire and we are going to do Ghost Watch. Oh, God knows. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are new to the show, this is the perfect time to go grab those snacks you've been thinking about the whole time. One if by land, two if by sea. Nestled away down a side street in New York City's trendy West Village can be found the one if by land, two if by sea. One of the many restaurants in New York where a person can dine in elegance and possibly have a brush with the supernatural. According to staff and patrons alike, 
This upscale restaurant is haunted by no less than 20 ghosts. And some of these phantoms are figures from the very birth of our nation. Throughout its long history as a fine dining establishment, those who work and eat here have reported encounters with shadowy entities and ghostly beings. Plates and silverware are inexplicably known to suddenly raise off shelves in full view of people. They then float around the room as if guided by an unseen intelligence. Bone-chilling cold spots seem to follow wait staff as they serve customers. Due to this unnerving activity, several employees have left in the middle of their shift with no explanation. While this activity may be unnerving to say the least, it is the apparitions, apparitions that some folks find truly disquieting. The apparition of a tall, gaunt man in 18th century garb is regularly seen lingering near the fireplace. No one can say with any certainty who he was in life. However, he appears to be congenial as he greets people with a warm smile and a friendly nod before fading away. A second frequently witnessed spirit is that of a lovely young woman who floats up the stairs and never comes back down. It's commonly believed she was a former patron who tripped on her gown and tumbled down the stairs. When employees and patrons came to her aid, it was too late. In the fall, she broke her neck and was dead before she hit the bottom of the stairs. If a floating woman and a vanishing 18th century gentleman isn't enough, there's a table that seats a rowdy bunch of ghosts. On several occasions, management responded to patron complaints of a table full of rowdy, drunken group of men. When management approached the table, the group of men abruptly vanished, leaving behind a table covered in spilled alcohol. Of all the ghosts said to lurk in the one if by land, two if by sea, none is more famous than Aaron Burr. Burr served as a vice president under Thomas Jefferson, third president and author of the Declaration of Independence. But it wasn't his turn as vice president that cemented his place in the history books. Rather, it was a deadly duel with his political rival and sworn enemy, Alexander Hamilton. One night while enjoying a meal in the company of friends, he overheard Hamilton insult his honor during a drunken rant. The next day, Burr challenged Hamilton to an early morning pistol duel. Upon receiving the challenge, Hamilton was astonished. Hamilton had no recollection of the slight and did everything he could to dissuade Burr. Burr, of course, would have none of it. His honor demanded to be satisfied. On a hot morning on July 11th, 1804, both Hamilton and Burr met in a field in Greenwich Village. After the two men walked 20 paces, two shots rang out and Hamilton was mortally wounded. Hamilton made an effort to hang on to life, but the next day he succumbed to his injuries and died. And as the saying goes, the rest is history. Today, the apparition of Aaron Burr has been seen walking about the restaurant with his beloved daughter, Theodosia. Theodosia resided in the building when it was her father's carriage house. The pair appear to be making the rounds as they inspect the handiwork of the restaurant staff. And if they see something they don't like, they are not shy in making their displeasure known. Many staff have had to go back and set places again just to make the ghostly duo happy. So, 
If you're ever in New York City's trendy West Village and looking for a fine dining experience, look no further than the one if by land, two if by sea, a restaurant where both history and Amer America collides with hauntings. Next week, we'll travel to upstate New York to the scenic Adirondacks and the Sagamore Hotel, a resort both outdoor and ghost enthusiasts will like. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, yeah, the one if by land, two if by sea is a very popular dining establishment. Mm -hmm. But if you go there, you're going to pay for it. Not only are you going to pay for its fine dining, but you're also going to pay for its, you know, historic ghosts. So if you're ever in, if you can afford it, check out the one if by land, two if by sea. Hey, how about, how about another Ghostbusters movies on the way? I heard, you know, I, I, I will, I will not lie. And I mean, and I will go on this as record. I loved Ghostbusters afterlife. Oh yeah, absolutely. Loved, loved, loved it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this uh, sequel to it. Yeah, code name Firehouse. Yeah, is, what, is what they're calling it. So that's exciting. You know, it is exciting, and they kind of set us up for it at, at at one of those post credit scenes. And I don't want to give it away because, you know, here at the Shadow Initiative, we will never spoil a movie or a television show. I promise you. But if you haven't seen it, make sure you stick around, and you will see why it sets it up for a sequel. Excellent tip from Rick Hale, author and ghost hunter. You're welcome. <laughs> so, pretty cool show today. We covered Great paranormal show. trespassing. We call a, covered the uh, lichen pyrica. That sounds like some Swedish doom metal band. So, and uh, we had the strange and unusual news. Alongside the strange and unusual Rick Hale. Doesn't help, buddy. It really yeah. doesn't. I mean, it, I, you know, as, as you get older, you have to learn to accept certain things. I and know, like I, balding I'm, and gray hair. You know, I'm seeing you having some trouble accepting certain things. Do tell. Do tell. No, I mean, I, I don't have to. I mean, the show pretty much spells it out for everybody. Do you see what he does to me, folks? Oh, come on, he Hale. God. Abuse. Whatever. It's tough love. It's tough love. So how do you end a show that's a series on a TV show, but you can't, like, say certain things? How do you do that? This is a mystery. Well, hopefully we will hear back soon where we can talk about these things. How about that? So we're leaving it as a mystery. A cliffhanger. A cliffhanger. Yes. It's like 80s television. Hey, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> so everybody, we will end it with like this. Thank you. And I don't know what else Mark can say. I know. I mean, ending a show's important. You know, because if they did stick around this long, and I'm really surprised that they did, probably questioning their sanity and or alcoholism. One of the two. They should probably get it checked out. But it's like, you know, do we, like, hear a strange noise and then cut to black? 
Did you hear that? <laughs> run, it dude, was, run. <laughs> it was the Chupa Lycan fire. <laughs> See, we got and we got to have a shot look on our face that they're wondering what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So they'll want to tune in the next time. So. Yeah, see, that's how you end a show. There you go. The the cliffhanger. What was that? Dude, the, run. The secrets, the secrets behind the magic. You're only going to see it here first. Or, On the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. TV. Hey, well, I guess that's it. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Low, low. Steven, can we stop?